great to welcome you here as we begin this season of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ this year. Warm welcome to you, and if this is your first time, we're so pleased that you are here. Do consider coming and joining us at any of our Christmas carol gatherings over this Christmas season. My name's Gareth, I'm part of the team here, and it is my joy to just say a few words about this evening. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what I'll get for Christmas. Do you wonder what you'll get for Christmas? One or two of you. Well, if you're anything like me, and um, you may not be, of course, um, you are still trying to find that special gift for that very special person in your life. You spent hours researching on Amazon and Google, still haven't found it. Well, I wonder... Would my wife Zoe, like a hot bird, auto follow me quadcopter drone (laughs) with a two megapixel camera, 120 degree angle, wide angle lens, 3D virtual reality live video camera? Or the Bose QuietComfort 35 wireless headphones, model two? Or the Stanley Fat Max 18 volt cordless twin pack with impact driver and combi hammer drill, and of course, two lithium batteries, a fast charger, and a Stanley tool bag. All the chaps in the room are going, <laughs> or perhaps the Arbolor 12 year old single malt Scotch whiskey. No, my mistake, Zoe wouldn't like any of those. That is, in fact, my Christmas list. Look forward to you giving them to me on Christmas Day. But I wonder, as we think specifically around Christmas, I wonder if you think it's real. Do you wonder, is the Christmas story real? Did the Holy Spirit really come upon a teenage girl, 2,000 years, and make her pregnant with a child? The savior of the world? Is that really true? We've just sung so beautifully together the Christmas carol, O Holy Night. And the song, O Holy Night, was actually written in the mid-1800s in the 19th century in Roquemore, a small town in southern France, where the parish priest asked a local man in the town, a French wine merchant, in fact, and a poet. His name was Placide Capot. And he was asked, would you write a poem based on Luke chapter 2? And the interesting thing is that Placide wasn't a man of faith. He wasn't a Christian. In fact, he was known for being a little bit of a hellraiser. He was pretty far from God. He didn't go to church at all. But he was a good poet. So Placide wrote this poem and he loved it so much that he asked his friend who also was not a Christian to put the poem to music, Adolf Adam. And this carol became so popular that it ran throughout the Catholic church in its earliest years. It was played at all sorts of gatherings. But when everyone realized just who'd written it, the Catholic church tried to shut it down. But by then, it was too late. And the song was as massively popular as it is today. Oh, holy night. Night 
divine. Somehow, in reading the Christmas account in the Bible, two men of no faith, a poet and a musician, wrote a tune that reflected for them something of the wonder of the birth of Jesus Christ. 50 years later, in 1906, Reginald Fessenden, a 33-year-old Canadian professor, did what many people thought was impossible. He went into his garage and made a makeshift transmitter. He plugged a microphone into it and broadcast the very first AM broadcast in the history of the world on Christmas Eve in 1906. And he took Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and he read into the microphone the broadcast. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And he went on to read the Christmas story. Then he took out his violin and he played into the microphone the first song broadcast across airwaves in the history of the world, O Holy Night. In 2018, we can only imagine, wonder what it might have been like to be there on that first holy night. I don't know about you, but for me, the manger scene draws so much emotion. There's something powerful, magical, perhaps deeply divine about the manger. I wonder what the manger scene might mean for you. You've got the baby Jesus and you've got the Virgin Mary and you've got Joseph and you've got the cows that were, that were lowing, whatever lowing means, I have no idea, but they were lowing. And there's this real emotional draw into this scene. But I honestly think that the manger scene, as meaningful as it can be, as we often see on traditional Christmas cards and pictures and images and icons, it actually does a little bit of disservice to us in understanding what that night would have actually been like. Because the reality is, if you think about it, a teenage girl that was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and that is a whole other conversation that we could have, but we don't have time for. And she and her likely fiancé boyfriend travel on the back of a donkey. Now you've got to picture this, nine months pregnant on a donkey. And they traveled somewhere between 80 and 120 miles. Now, my wife Zoe, when she was about to give birth, I took her to hospital in the Nishin Kashkai. <laughs> Did my very best at 6 a.m. to avoid the speed bumps, but that was pretty hair-raising as we headed towards the maternity unit at full speed. Can you imagine being on the back of a donkey? And they arrive in an already overcrowded town, exhausted. There's no place to stay. There's no inn, there's no room. Booking.com is fully booked out. An Airbnb, well, you can never really get what you want at the price you want. Nightmare scenario. And so they go to what is most likely what scholars believe was a kind of like a cave. It was a place that animals went to get shelter in bad weather. So Mary, remember, she's a teenage girl. 
giving birth in the worst environment possible. We're talking about unsterile, no gas and air, though there were cows lowing, whatever lowing means, there was probably some gas from the cows. But there was no epidural. If you can imagine, a little girl screaming her brains out with the pain of the contractions. There's no angel mopping her brow with a lovely soft flannel or wet towel. I mean, this girl is screaming. And Joseph, well, he's probably freaking out. Not knowing what to do. I remember when Zoe gave birth to our son, Jacob. No epidural, just gas and air. My wife, well, she was in the water tank and she had hold of my wrist and she was literally pulling the wrist from its sockets, screaming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And after one big scream and one big push, (laughs) out pops little Jacob. And I remember thinking two thoughts. The first was this. Well, that was relatively easy, wasn't it? (laughs) Which I foolishly verbalized to the midwife who gave me the death stare. (laughs) What do you know? You're a man. The second was this. I never felt so close to God in that moment. Holding my son. A holy moment. I wonder. I wonder if as Joseph took Jesus. And remember for Joseph, this wasn't his child. But I wonder if in that moment there was something so divine, so holy, that he himself felt the presence of the divine. Now in this carol, O Holy Night, there's a phrase, and I want to invite us very quickly to ponder, to wonder on this phrase. And it's this, a thrill of hope A weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. If there's two words that might accurately describe our world today, I'd say it's weary world. Would you agree? I mean, Brexit with our global economy, the climate change that's happening, it just feels so overwhelming what's going on in our world. There's so much anxiety, increase in mental health, What's going on in the EU, in the Ukraine, and with what's recently happening in in France with the, the protests? It feels like people have just had enough. There's so much going on. And it feels like we're just keeping our head above the water. I just wonder, if you take away the Christmas lights, take away the presents, you take away the parties, do you relate to our world being a weary world. But what I love about this carol is it says this. And remember, the, this carol is written by a man of no faith. There's a thrill of hope. Imagine if in the chaos of that first holy night, there's a thrill of hope that maybe, just maybe, the long-awaited Messiah, the saviour of the world, had been born that morning. Hope had arrived and there's a thrill there's an excitement he 
is with us. The savior of the world. And from that moment on, everything would be different forever and ever and ever. I have no idea what's going on in your your life right now and life may be going on tickety-boo and if it is, then be thankful, rejoice in that if it is. But if if it's not and you're experiencing a weary world if you're honest with yourself, my prayer is that you would encounter and that you would know the thrill of hope and the joy of Jesus this Christmas. Even in the chaos of a holy night, in the chaos of the birth of a child, in an unsterile moment, there is a new and glorious morning. There is a new and glorious day. The Savior has been born. Everything is different because a day with Jesus can change everything. Let me explain that a little further. What I want to do is take you back to an Old Testament book, the book of Lamentations. And the book of Lamentations written um, around the life of the people of Israel, um, 586 years before the birth of of Jesus and Jerusalem has fallen. The people of God were distraught, as you'd possibly imagine. The Babylonians have invaded, and many of the people of Israel have been taken into exile away from their home. And God's prophet, the messenger Jeremiah, he laments, he whines, he pours out his heart to his God. He's hurting along with everybody else. And then in chapter 3, There's a shift in Jeremiah's moaning and Jeremiah's whining and he moves from mourning to a moment of faith. He moves from weariness and being worn down to something of the wonder of God. And I love this. We're gonna read this. It'll be on the screens. And he says this, reflecting on the pain of the people. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What Jeremiah is saying is this. I know things seem impossible. At the moment, if I'm honest, I'm depressed. I'm not doing quite well. But I'm going to call to mind what I know to be true. And I'm going to have hope in that truth. Because I know the truth and because I know the hope giver, he says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. 
one of you here tonight and you know God's great love for you, that whatever you are going through in your life with him, you will not be consumed because his compassions never fail. Now, I love this. I love what Jeremiah says when he talks about God's compassions. He says, God's compassions are new every morning. You know, it's amazing what a new day with Jesus can bring. I want to draw out two truths that I think can bring a thrill of hope when your worry world is in darkness. First is this, that a new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need. A new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need. Now, I didn't say what you want, because what you need and what you want are often different things. Jeremiah says this, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I wonder if you've ever found yourself giving yourself a bit of a pep talk. A couple of years ago, a bunch of us from this church, we decided um, to do a stupid event called Tough Mudder. And I remember um, Tough Mudder is about 13 mile obstacle race with um, 21 obstacles that are basically um, set up to give you pain. That's what they are there for. And after about the third mile, we had to go in the ice bucket. And the ice bucket is this um, shipping container. You've seen a shipping container, kind of 33 foot long shipping container. And you have to go up this ladder. And as you go to the top of this ladder on this platform, you're faced with this ice bath. It's like gallons and gallons and gallons full to the top of water and chunks of ice. And you have to jump in put your head under a beam that is there so you have to put your head underwater out the other side and then you've got another nine miles to go. And I remember having run three miles facing the ice bath and I went through, jumped in, went, put my head under, got out the other side and I just thought, who does this? (laughs) Who does this? It was my idea to do it. I managed to persuade 20 other guys to do it. How stupid is that? And I found myself giving myself a pep talk. So it's like, you can do this. You can do this. It's only another nine miles to go. It's only another, it's only another nine miles to go. It's only another nine miles to go. And I was giving myself a pep talk. You can do this. Every now and then, every now and again, you've just got to give yourself a bit of a pep talk and preach it yourself. And that's what Jeremiah is doing. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. What does that mean? Well, it could mean any number of different things, but most scholars believe, and I tend to agree, that Jeremiah is likely referring back to the time at the Exodus in Israel's history, when God's people were wandering wearily in the desert, waiting, tired, exhausted, wondering whether they were ever going to find and discover the promised land that had been promised. And every day they were in need of food. And every day God gave them their daily portion of daily bread. And they'd wake up and God would give them exactly what they needed for that day. It was as if God was trying to teach them to trust him every single day. Just like in the New Testament when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, give me today my what? My daily bread. Because I need God every day. 
I wonder, is the Lord your daily portion? Is he exactly what you need? The good news is that God is not only here today, but God is already in your tomorrow. You haven't arrived at your tomorrow, but God is in your tomorrow and he's there waiting and he's ready and he's geared up to be with you as, he's, as the daily portion if you'll wait for him. I wonder, do you know the daily reality of God's presence in your life today? Is God your daily portion. The second thing is that a new day with Jesus brings the help that you're seeking. A new day with Jesus brings the help that you're seeking. It is good, Jeremiah says, to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, for the rescue of God. Sometimes you've just got to wait quietly. For what? For the salvation of God for him to come into your situation, for him to come and bring the new and glorious morning. Some of you here tonight, I wonder, do you need to know the daily reality of God's salvation at work in your life? If I may be so bold, some of you need to be saved. You need to know the forgiveness of God for your sins and you need to invite him into your life that you might know Jesus Christ and his daily portion in your life. I wonder, would you invite him in tonight? Some of you here, you've already been born into the family of God but you need to be saved out of a difficult situation. I'm always amazed and I want you to think about this and never lose sight of this. It's amazing, it's unbelievable that you cannot fathom what a difference one day with Jesus can make. So you can never, never, ever really put into words the difference Jesus makes to a life. You know, Lazarus, in the New Testament, he'd been dead for days. He was so dead that he'd been smelling bad. In fact, the King James Version said, he stinketh. You know you're not in a good place when the King James Version of the Bible says that you stinketh because you've been dead for four days. And everyone had given up hope, his family and friends. And Jesus shows up. He looks at the stone over the grave, over the tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walks out. And Lazarus would say, it's amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make. There was a woman who for 12 years had been suffering with an issue of blood for 12 years. I mean, can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the embarrassment, the humiliation, the torture, that private suffering for 12 years? Are you going through some private suffering at the moment? You know, every day hoping that this will be the day, maybe this will be the day that it will stop. Am I stuck? Am I stuck with this? Do I only know a life of agony and pain? One day, she sees Jesus and she touches his clothes. He touches the hem of his garment and immediately she's healed. She would say that one 
day with Jesus makes the difference. Some of you, you may be sick here this evening or you know someone who's sick. I'm telling you that we serve a God who is able to heal. And whether he heals or he doesn't heal in the way that we think that he should, in the presence of God and his goodness, it's amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make. Some of you right now, you might be in darkness. And I don't mean literally. I mean, I know the lights are down low. But you're in a season of darkness. You're in a period of weariness. You're exhausted. Remember that Jesus was born in the middle of chaos, in the middle of darkness. But with Jesus, a new day can bring exactly what you need. It may not be what you want, but it is exactly what you need. And a new day with Jesus can bring you the help that you are seeking. Some of you right now, if you're honest, you're in that dark season. It could be relationships. It could be a struggle with someone that you love. You know, a lot of people around Christmas time, you know, struggle. You know, Christmas time can be an amazing time for many of us. But for some of us, it can be incredibly painful and it's just wearing on you. You know, maybe you're dealing with sickness. Maybe you're dealing with um, you know, a, a struggle with a job. Maybe you've got no job and you're, th- and you're going out and you're, you're buying and you're purchasing for Christmas and you're just thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this. And the credit card bill just gets bigger and bigger. You need a touch from God. His presence is exactly what you need. The help that you're seeking. I wonder... Would you move from a weary world to the wonder of Jesus Christ in your life? You see, here's the good news. Your weary world can be a thrill of hope. And the hope, his name is Jesus. And we're celebrating him here tonight and we'll be celebrating him throughout this season. In fact, in this place, we celebrate him every week. Every day. That's what Christians do. They celebrate Jesus every day. Because he died on a cross that all of humanity would know, that you would know that you are forgiven and that you can find freedom and hope and life in eternity with the Father through him.